Now dig this, Matt. Y'all know I love stationery. Y'all know I love to take notes. I love to write. I love to write on paper. I love to write notebooks. Matt, what'd you get me for Christmas this year? I got you notebooks and pens and organizers. Correct. I love it. Uh, And I find that it genuinely helps me remember things better as opposed to typing them or like putting them on a, like a text file or whatever, actually writing something down physically helps me a lot. It helps me organize my thoughts. It helps me get my work done. And ever since I got my new uh, iPad and I got the Apple pencil with it, I have been doing that on there and that's great. The only problem I've had with it, it doesn't quite feel like writing on paper, which is a feeling I like. We have the solution to that problem. That's right. Paper-like. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's a screen protector for your iPad. It uses a proprietary technology called NanoDots. With those NanoDots, you feel the natural resistance of paper on your iPad screen. It is a paper-like feeling on your iPad. So if you're drawing, if you're taking notes, if you're using your iPad like you would a notebook... Here's the way for it to really feel natural. And Chris, I know you love that. You you have an iPad, you got a paper like, and I'm sure it's it feels just right for you. It does. It feels great to use. Also, Matt, you know I'm very particular about paper. I have yes. specific brands of notebooks that I will and will not use, and paper like feels good on the iPad. Uh they also make accessories for the pencil to make the pencil a little more comfortable to hold. They make uh, accessories to help you clean the iPad as well. They've got it all. The ability to handwrite notes in a digital form is great to begin with, but getting that extra tactile feeling that makes me happy while I do it, (laughs) that gives me that little dopamine, that little serotonin burst that I like to have, is fantastic. The latest version of the Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils designed for maximum picture clarity. You're not going to lose any of the definition of your iPad screen if you put a paper-like on there. And these foils are developed exclusively for paper-like products. It also always comes in a set of two, so you have a spare. Look, we know a lot of artists listen to this show. If you're an artist and you're looking for a way to make drawing on your iPad feel a little bit better... This is how you do it. So, to pick up your Paperlike, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, click Buy Paperlike, and select your iPad size. From now, right now, until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their Digital Pro Planner Bundle at no extra cost for every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. So if you're ready to do more with your iPad, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, to get started. Oh my god, it's coming! I think it's a This is Comics Catch Up. Where we read comics suggested by you the listeners of War Rocket Ajax, that we have missed. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Comics Catch-Up. This is the show where Chris Sims, who is here, 
and I, Matt Wilson, we read the comics that we did not get a chance to read upon their release for whatever reason, whether it be a comic that is recent, which there are a lot of comics from recent times that we have not completed reading. We've only read an issue or two of. They could also be comics from 30 years ago. That's the case this time. We've been bullied into reading this comic. <laughs> we have. Uh, what, <laughs> now, was it was it just Patrick O'Duffy that bullied us? I think so. Into reading this I, comic book? Bullied is a strong term. But yeah, I, I think so. On a recent Every Story Ever special, we got Fate issues 0 through 22 from 1994 starting in 1994 and Chris, I believe you said no one has read all 22 issues of I did. And I stand by that. Patrick O'Duffy took some offense to that notion, (laughs) but I can tell you this. I don't know that even the people behind fate I don't know that even John Francis Moore, the writer of the first five issues of Fate, gave those first five issues a really close read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, there are things introduced in this comic that seem quickly forgotten. And by that I mean there are major plot points. That are that just like no nah, that that's that isn't how it is anymore. Well, it, that some of that is because of the writing change that happens, and we'll get into that as we go. We're we're going to be talking about the first ten issues, or first eleven issues, I should say, because we're doing zero through ten mm-hmm. of the Fate series. Like I said, the first five are by uh, writer. John Francis Moore. The following six are by uh, Stephen Grant and Lynn Kaminsky. Our second part of our look at Fate, which will be next month, is the. It's going to be issues 11 through 22. Those 12 issues are all just written by Lynn Kaminsky. Matt, I don't I don't know if there really needs to be a second part to this. We, we, I feel like I, I did not agree to that. We we said we would do the full 20 23 issues of Fate, but we I decided we had to break it up into two parts. Matt, it's your birthday next month. I know. Look, I know. But I'm giving the listeners a gift, or specifically Patrick O'Duffy. Yeah. Of reading all who 22 is, who issues. Who is very nice. Is, has been very good-natured about the ribbing about Jared Stevens, the man called Fate, uh, and is a very nice uh, young man. Here's, so here's how I want to break down Fate. I want to break it down <laughs> by writers. Because I think... That is a good way to break this 23-issue series into story arcs. John Francis Moore, in his five issues on the book, 
sets up a very distinct sort of cosmology, let's say. It's not totally consistent because, let me tell you, let me tell you what Jared Stevens, The Man Called Fate, has in issue zero. That knife made out of the helmet of fate. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you what he then creates in issue one. <laughs> that knife made out of the helmet of fate. Well, the future Jared Stevens that we see has it. The Jared Stevens who's actually from number four. Oh, that's right. Yes, okay. Yeah. He does see himself from the future. So, okay, that is not the continuity He's era. He's like I Goku's dad. Yes, he's Goku's like, dad, who who saw who got punched so hard he could see the future. I don't know if if everybody knows about Goku's dad and how that happened. I I will say this: I feel like compared to the six issues after, the first five issues of Fate are not that bad. There's a part of me that, and I I, I texted you a little bit about this. There's a part of me that's like, does does fate kind of rule, actually? And I think the answer to that is no. But I think there are things in here that you can look at and be like, yeah, that that kind of rules. That that would have been a cool idea for the DC Universe. The thing that I couldn't get over in these early issues of fate the John Francis Moore issues of fate Mm -hmm. is how deeply it is a spawn ripoff. See, I intellectually can understand that, but I didn't know that because I have famously never read a single issue of spawn. (laughs) It has many of the same story elements as spawn. Uh, Namely that he is pursued by and taunted by demons at every turn. Demons with extremely stupid names. Demons with hilarious names. Um, Yeah. Who use the word spawn all the time. Yeah. uh, In a way that, like, a lot of it, like... You read it and you're like, I feel like that's a slur. Like, I'm not sure that yeah. it's like a real life slur, but it definitely seems like one. They call humans mud spawn. Yeah. The two demons uh, who appear in issue zero are named Bloodstain and Thunderspawn. And and we can get get into more names as we get to them. Yeah, I have a favorite. I have a favorite demon name picked out in the way that I had a, like a favorite uh, Mark Grunewald gang member name mm-hmm. uh, picked mm-hmm. out, which I hope we get some more of before the end of that run. Uh, the end of that run in 1994, by the way, not the like. I am not laboring the the illusion that Mark Grunewald's still still out there turning them in. I wish, uh, but but Matt. Can can we can I give you a, like a compliment sandwich? Yeah, for, let's hear it for this this comic. There's a part of this 
that is that does the thing which as you know and as listeners might know i it's, it's a thing that i am kind of like very again if i'm if i'm known for a few things it's one of the things that i'm known for i'd love the post zero hour dc universe because it felt like a universe and it felt like there were some unifying themes uh primarily the idea of legacy uh that i think you can really you know if, if there's one name you can credit for that, it's Mark Wade. And if there's like two names, it's it's like Mark Wade and Grant Morrison. That they were like all about the the legacy of these characters. Another theme that kind of that, that DC has kind of flirted with committing to several times over the years. I always think of this as more of like a post-crisis thing. And I feel like Zero Hour, because I haven't read a lot of the like magic-adjacent books of the era before literally today, uh, like I didn't know how much of it was was really, really we're gonna do we're gonna do it this time. We're gonna get it right. But it's the order and chaos as the kind of underpinning structures of the DC universe. Like that's, that's been a big deal, obviously in, in Dr. Fate, you know, Dr. Fate, Lord of order, but it was applied to a bunch of different, like stuff that made it kind of a cosmological underpinning of the DC universe in a way that, like I said, they never, it always seemed like a thing they were about to commit to. And about to make yeah. it a big theme. And they never quite got around to it. And I I like that this book takes the premise of, in the aftermath of Zero Hour, the crisis in time. Which is referred to multiple times as the crisis in time in the pages of Fate. Referred to on the cover of Zero Hour, numbers five through zero, Matt. That also, yes. Yeah. But but in this book, there's a lot of like, hey, you remember during the crisis in time? <laughs> I actually, the first time that I had the thought of, wait, does this rule actually, is when they meet the conspiracy guy, Arnold, uh, Jared Stevens' buddy, his his little buddy, and yeah, uh, and he's like, becomes a, who becomes a much worse character after the second writing team comes in. Yeah. The second writing team is clearly not into the nuances of Arnold. It was like, yeah, there's like people just keep acting like there wasn't a crisis in time. And like things that used to exist don't exist anymore. (laughs) And like, I'm like, that's a good character bit. Like the guy who's not the psycho pirate, but is just like vaguely annoyed because he remembers old continuity, AKA Uh me. A man who's always annoyed because he remembers old continuity. Like, that's a good character, and I identify with him. But um but yeah, like I I like the idea that instead of committing to this time we're gonna this time we're gonna make the order and chaos thing work because Alan Moore wrote about it one time. I feel like this is a book that was like, alright, the order and chaos stuff wasn't really working. But what would work is if we go, hey, all the order and chaos stuff is completely out of whack. 
Uh, and, and now Dr. Fate, like the, the, the being that we call Dr. Fate is no longer an agent of order or an agent of chaos. He's just a guy trying to get through it. Now, I think that similar tone went really well with like the, the Dr. Fate book that, uh, Andy Corey edited (laughs) 20 years later, but I like the idea. I like that idea. Yes, I, I think it's an idea that gets buried under a lot of other stuff. Oh, fully. And fully. I, I'll tell you what, in issue zero, like, instantly kind of painted this book as something, maybe even unfairly, but but I had an immediate, like, sense of what this book was, like, three pages in, because it feels like there's this deep 1994 style desire from John Francis Moore to make this book edgy. Yeah, that's, it's kind of the, like it's, it's the worst thing about the book. This book is so of its time that it can't help but read. Like this was dated in 2001, you know? It's it was one of kind those. of dated. It was kind of dated in 1994. Like the first thing we find out about Jared Stevens is that he is an art thief, or like he's he steals artifacts. He, he says is, he says I run art and antiquities. Yeah, he is he's uh, too- Rene Belloc from Raiders of the Lost Ark, but not a Nazi. Yeah. Just a bad archaeologist. His two buddies that he flies back from Egypt with at the start of the issue are cocaine dealers. <laughs> you say buddies. They're not, like, friends. <laughs> but they but they, they travel together. Yeah, because he, he can't deal with customs because he's literally just stolen, like, these... Uh, 17th dynasty, like uh, 1300 BCE Egyptian artifacts, the helmet of fate and yeah. uh, the amulet and of Nabu and the, the cloak, which I don't, I have not read. I have bought the jam Dematius Dr. Fate run like four times and never read it. It's it's one yeah. of those. It's like Justice yeah. League 200 where I see it in the box and I'm like, oh, this is pretty good. Oh, Jim Mattis, Dr. Fate, yeah. Keith Giffen, yeah, I'll read this. And it's just not, it's never going to happen. And <laughs> I've given up on it. But the, the, the first thing you find out is that, like, Jared Stevens is like, I'm not a Coke dealer, but you guys are Coke dealers. Yeah, the word cocaine does appear on, like, the first page of the comic book. Yeah. And then those guys get shot the next page. They get killed the next page. But then it like immediately disposes of the old Dr. Fate. Like Kent Nelson and Enza, like they show up to take the helmet of fate back. And then they are just. Just like destroyed by demons. I think 
Kent and Inza were... Again, I don't know how their story ends, but I think they were dead. Like, I think the they're ghosts at this point. They look kind of like zombies, yeah. They definitely look like zombies. Yeah. I I I feel like anybody who actually liked Dr. Fate would be pissed off by this. Yeah, it does really put into into a different context like the thing that I talked about um when we talked about this book for the first time where that first arc of JSA opens with Jared Stevens getting unceremoniously murdered so there can be a new Dr. Fate who's like an old character that nobody cares about. It's Hector Hall. Or, uh, yeah, it was Hector Hall, right? I don't it was, remember. It was like a Hall say, kid. Yeah, yeah. To go back and be like, oh, well, Kent and Ninza Nelson were also like unceremoniously murdered <laughs> at the start of this character's run. It's like, oh, okay, I, I, I will give David Goyer and James Robinson a little bit of slack on that because it turns out that's a Jared Stevens tradition. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I'm a big fan of legacy characters. I think legacy characters, as you have pointed out in the past, Chris, the, a lot of the legacy characters from the post-crisis DC universe got done real dirty. Real dirty. And boy, yeah. did I point that out. But boy, did certain people get mad at me for pointing that out. If you were a fan of Hal Jordan, you were probably mad about what how Hal Jordan got did. But at least that story was a long, thought out epic. Kent Nelson gets got in a page and a half. Yeah, and like it. It, again, if I was a Doctor Fate, like a big Doctor Fate fan, I would be so pissed. Well, I mean, Matt, you'd probably also be mad if you were a fucking talking mongoose, but those don't exist either. <laughs> and I would, I'm gonna guess, neither do big Doctor Fate fans. I'm, they're out there. I'm, I'm sure they're out. You know, there. every character is somebody's favorite. I refuse to believe that. So. Here are the similarities I see to Spawn. The the sort of demon world and their tormenting of Jared Stevens. Jared Stevens having a wife figure slash ex-wife figure that he sort of pines over. Him having a fucked up body that only his new magical state can keep together. Because one of the first things that happens to him is he's holding the amulet of fate and it gets destroyed in his hand by one of the demons. I believe and that's a, a, a th- Thunderspawn? Thunderspawn, yeah. Yeah. And it, it kills Thunderspawn in the process. But Jared Stevens arm gets permanently fucked up. And it's it said later only... in the run that he has gangrene. Yeah. And it just like Spawn is like permanently burned. So like the mask is covering his burns and shit. 
Yeah, and he's got that uh, big scar, like like stitched up scar on his face from where a uh, uh, battering. He got hit with a battering. I do know about that. Yeah. Uh, Jared Stevens, his his arm is only held together by the cloak of fate. Yeah, he is healed. It it's he, his arm's all fucked up, but he it is healed when he has the the bandages he made out of the cloak wrapped around it. At which time it is like a normal, like jacked muscle arm, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about some jacked muscle people later. But when he takes it off, it becomes all like withered, and as, as though his arm was crushed by a demon months ago, and has never he has never sought medical treatment. Yes. So the 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 rest of this first arc, the rest of these five issues that John Francis Moore writes are all about fate's conflict with these demons, uh, whose names include uh, Bloodstain, Threshold. Threshold is my favorite. There, uh, there are more names later. Uh, we'll get to them as they go. None as good as Threshold. Yeah. Um, but they are sort of hiding in plain sight, all these demons, um, in like the corporate world. And their leader is, is, you know, presenting himself as like the CEO of a, of a big company. Yeah. Who and it he's turns trying out to was a real guy that the demon whose name is Kingdom. Yeah. Or Kingdom. Kingdom. Um, Andrew Winterhalter is his human name. <laughs> Which is such a bad name. <laughs> it's like so, it's, it is a great, terrible name. Gotta give it up to that. But yeah, they're, they're hiding in plain sight as the like, as like this corporation. And so that is the basic idea of this first arc of fate is like, there are demons, they're all over Earth, they're hiding in plain sight, and it's up to Jared Stevens to fight them. And it feels like what John Francis Moore is establishing is sort of like, this is fate's deal. He's going to be fighting demons and otherworldly creatures who are hiding in plain sight on Earth. But after John Francis Moore has gone off the book, that is out the fucking window. Yeah, because we get... Pretty early on, is it under the the first John Francis Moore that we get the thing where he has uh, fate vision? Because I yes. think that was kind of a cool element of the character. There's a lot you can do with that. It's like 80% spawn, 20% they live. Yes, yes. yes. Matt, You, I did not make either of those connections, but you fucking nailed it, my dude. Because it is revealed that he can see demons even in their human disguises. And it feels like that is going to be his thing. Like a thing that that Jared Stevens, the man called Fate, does. But clearly Stephen Grant and Lynn Kaminsky hate that idea. They do use the Fate vision a little bit uh, every now and then. But never, it's, like, that should kind of be his primary power other than owns a knife, right? Yeah, yeah. 
There's another um, thing that like John Francis Moore kind of introduces, and then I feel like he gives up on immediately, which is uh, to explain how Jared Stevens is so good with knives. He's like, yeah, you know, I learned how to use, you know, learned how to throw a knife from a like a 74 year old Guatemalan blacksmith, and you. I don't know if you had this experience, Matt, but like I kept expecting him to bring like bring back like yeah, I learned how to do this when I was doing this, uh, and yeah. to have like all these like weird jack of all trades like esoteric skills and knowledge that he picked up in his in his like pretty cool backstory of being like a chaotic neutral Indiana Jones. That does that never happens. Yeah. It is uh, never brought up. Here are some more demon names, by the way. Oh, Carnivox. Uh, oh, oh, Matt. Matt, are you talking about uh, Carnivox, whose claws are sharper than any seal? That's right. We already talked about Threshold and, uh, and Quill. Quill, the by far worst demon name. Dog, that's just a thing. Uh, yes. Another thing that gets established in this John Francis Moore run on the book is this notion of, oh, this is another thing that's like Spawn. Spawn has a lot of stuff about unhoused people and how like a lot of unhoused people in the Spawn universe are celestial beings in disguise. So, for instance, the time tra- traveler Cagliostro in Spawn is an unhoused person in Spawn's time. That is maybe my least favorite, like, urban fantasy trope. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that the people who don't have houses are, like, actually part of a whimsical, magical world. Yeah, yeah. They're not, they're not actually, you know people that we should care about and take care of they're they're part of a secret world yeah um but in fate fate also does that by yeah introducing, i didn't realize that was a spawn thing it, it fully does that uh by introducing what is her name the character Emma. who ends up being the guardian angel yeah which is another thing that Stephen Grant and Lynn Gaminsky just totally ditch. Yeah, they even, like, maybe it comes up later, because we see Emma under them, and she's like, I'm not an angel. And then it's yeah. this whole thing of like, well, wait, what's going on with these characters? Well, what, what Stephen Grant and Lynn Kaminsky eventually do is... Uh, is say like the angel persona can jump between different people. So Emma's mm-hmm. like, I'm not an angel. I'm just a lady. And then some other guy shows up and he goes, I'm the angel now, which is and, maybe not as bad a, a trope, but is also like way more boring. Yeah. Um, also another element of Spawn-like stuff in this John Francis Moore run on Fate is Charnel of the Fire Lodge, 
who is just Angela. Fully just Angela. Uh, she is just Angela. I kind of like Charnel. I couldn't decide if her name was meant to be Charnel, just how it's spelled, or like Charnel, like a Charnel house, but spelled yeah. cool. Yeah. Uh, but she's she's a cool character with what I think is actually a pretty cool design. She does have a cool design. And, like, she has, like, a couple of different forms, which I think is 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 pretty neat. Um, like, her design, and then once uh, Kingdom reveals his, like, true form, where it's kind of like future armor demon stuff. Like, future armor, but around, like, wind. Like, he's got, like, a body that looks like it's made of, like, scratchy lines, but he's wearing armor. That's a pretty, like... I will say, as dated as it is, the art in this is not bad. It certainly yeah. has an aesthetic, but it's not, Anthony, like, bad. Yeah, yeah. Anthony Williams, who is the only creator who stays on this book throughout the whole run, is the best thing about it. Yeah, and if you read the, uh, like, uh, the Archie Goodwin's little notes at the end of the, the first issue, which... Wild that this is a book Archie Goodwin edited. I just want to throw that one out there. Um, uh, he like you. You go. Oh, he's a 2000 AD guy. That makes sense. Yes, for sure. It's got a kind of 2000 AD feel to it. Yeah, especially in the art. Yeah. yeah. But there's a lot of neat ideas in this John Francis Moore story, but ultimately it ends up just being. The evil demon kidnaps Jared Stevens' ex-wife, and he has to save her. Like, that's what happens. Yep. And uh, only with the help of uh, Charnel and Emma, who at one point, Jared Stevens, the man called Fate, calls the bag lady? Uh, Does... Kingdom get taken care of in the end. Yeah, but like a lot of interesting ideas in service of what is ultimately a pretty basic story. But as I said, I do kind of think it is the best this book gets. <laughs> yeah, it's. <sighs> I do feel like there are seeds of good ideas here, and it's. And, yeah. Here's what I will say. It's better than I thought it was going to be. For sure. Zero through four. I would say the whole thing. I did not have high hopes. I I think five through 11 is exactly as bad as I thought. It would. Um, maybe I'm, I mean, if I think if you ask people, they would, they would say that, uh, that you have the demeanor of a pessimist, Matt, but maybe I, it, it is I who is the pessimist. <laughs> Zero to four, certainly. It, it had more ideas, even though a lot of them were ripoffs of other things, ripoffs of Spawn and They Live. At least it was trying to do a thing, right? Yeah. Like it was trying to be something different from classic Dr. Fate. It was trying to do its own thing. It was, you know, it was trying to be edgy. 
but it was like trying to create a new corner of the post zero hour DC universe. Yeah. It, it was trying to be like, okay, the pre zero hour DC universe had it's like magic stuff. That was it that it was doing. Let's try to do something different after zero hour. And so I have to at least give it credit for that. This you know? is like DC's teen Tony. It is a lot like DC's Teen Tony. You're because exactly it, right. It's definitely a thing where it's like, look, Dr. Fate's been around for a million years. He's like kind of an important legacy in the 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 universe, but like no one actually cares about him. So like we let's do whatever. Like let's any anything would be better than what we are doing now. So let's, let's just try, try whatever. Let's try to make him cool. Yeah. Um, I'm going to admit something to you, man. Okay. The knife is pretty cool. The knife is pretty cool, yeah. I kind of like the idea of Dr. Fate's helmet. Because uh, one of the things that we see is Jared Stevens goes and communes with uh, Nabu. Nabu? I don't know how to say it. How this they say uh, that in Black Adam? I don't remember. The hierarchy of power in the Lords of Order is about to change, Matt. <laughs> um, I think it's Nebu. The, the idea of this helmet that you put on and it gives you magic powers, but also you like there's a weird old Egyptian guy who can control you. Um, well, fuck that. I don't want that helmet then, but I will take those magic powers in the form of a knife that can cut through anything. <laughs> That's 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 fucking shonen manga is what that is, Matt. Yeah, that's the best thing Jared Stevens does. Is say like I want the benefits but I don't want to be in servitude to this Egyptian god, so I reject that part. Yeah. That's that part is pretty cool. Yeah. And like, you know, it's a cool-looking knife. Yeah. If they you know if if we lived in the weird parallel universe where people liked this book and, th- and there was like a DC direct replica of Jared Stevens, the man called fate's cool knife. I would think about buying it at a con. I don't know that I love the rest of his design. It is as 1994 as it gets. No, the, the onk that gets burned onto his face for no reason is pretty whack. It's pretty whack. Yeah. Uh, Cause again, I keep, you know, Dr. Fate casts spells and they look like onks, and I was expecting somebody to like cast that spell and it burns his face or whatever, but it's just like th- there's an explosion and then like in the next issue we're like six pages in and he's like, whoa, I haven't looked at my face since I was in that explosion. There's fucking onk on there. And it's just yeah. like it's it's it is a design element that has no reason. It just yes. looks cool, but it doesn't actually look cool anymore. Uh, I do like his cool red streak in his hair, though. So, in issue five, we change writing teams from John Francis Moore to Stephen Grant and Lynn Kaminsky. And one of the first things that happens is that Jared's conspiracy theorist friend, whose name I don't remember. His first name's Arnold, but I forget what his last name is. It's like Arnold. It's it's a weird name. It's, it's like Blaziken. 
Yeah. It's not Blaziken, because that's a Pokemon, but it's like uh-huh. Blaziken. Arnold is immediately made into a weird asshole who is shitty to uh, Jared's ex-wife. And like Jared is like in the middle trying to stop them from fighting. And it's like, why, why is this what's happening now? You know what I mean? Like these character dynamics were not in the book at all before this. What's her name? Holly Bernsteel. Okay. Her name's Holly. Uh Uh-huh. He says, this is his actual line, Hey, Halls, looking chunky. You shouldn't hit the Ben and Jerry's so hard. Oof. He wasn't like that at all before this. No. He really wasn't. Why? <laughs> Buddy, I, I can't tell you. Uh, anyway, the rest of that issue is... Jared Stevens, the man called fate being confronted by a bunch of DC magic characters and him proving that he's cooler than all of them. Again, I like that. I, I like the idea of this. Nothing in this issue makes sense, but I kind of like the idea that like when you become a DC magic character, you've got to like go in and like fucking Bloodwind and Felix Faust are going to yell at you for a little bit. I think it would be, there's so many better ways to do this, though. Ways that would at least make a little sense. Because several times in the issue, he's like, this isn't really happening. And everybody's like, or is it really happening? And he's like, no, I'm pretty sure it's not. And then it's like, ah, but we'll see what Dr. Occult has to say about this. And then there's a character that I've never heard of before, which is a rarity for D-list DC characters. Uh, Matt, you know I know about DC D-listers. Of course, yes. D-list, C-list comics, that's what I read. (laughs) What's his name? It's like Dr. Dr. Ashram, who I thought was going to be the guy who shows up later in the run, because he, like, I'm like, who is this guy? And then his whole deal is like, he's a, again, good idea, a DC magic character who's actually like a, a motivational speaker, like a Tony Robbins guy. And yeah. so he's like a white guy with all these like, like you know, his, I mean, his name's like Doctor Ashram, so you can you can guess. He's kind of like Doctor Druid if we were all a little bit more honest with ourselves. Uh huh. Um, but like that, I read that entire second arc where he goes to L.A. thinking that was the bad guy, and I definitely not right. Definitely not. Yeah. yeah. It's, this whole thing is just like, okay, so part of it is I think that Stephen Grant and or Lynn Kaminsky also thought that the original Dr. Fate got done dirty. That Kent Nelson uh, and what is Isma got done uh, dirty. Inza. Inza, yeah. Got done dirty and wanted to have to make Jared Stevens like give an explanation for that or like prove himself. And so this issue is that like him proving himself to all the other DC magic people. 
I don't think that was necessarily the idea behind this, but only because every DC Legacy character in the 90s had to do this. Like, Kyle Rayner had to do this, you know? That's true, yeah. Then in issue six, we start off with Jared Stevens, the man called Fate, who used to fight demons, just fighting some guys. Yeah, and talk about how many street fights he's been in. Yeah, so like... Stephen Grant's and Lynn Kaminsky's their first thought was, "Hey, you know what? Jared Stevens, the Man Called Fate, did too much of fighting supernatural stuff. So now he's just going to fight some guys. Until then, he fights Grimoire, who is the villain for the rest of that issue. All right, this Grimoire." I gr- grimoire I can't make fun of because we we did do this in X Men ninety two <laughs> fully did th- his entire bit in X Men ninety two without realizing it. Grimoire is a, a very a good villain. idea. He's a supernatural villain inside of a computer. He's inside the computer. He he is. Stephen Grant and Lynn Kaminsky saw the lawnmower man. That's the I sent you the panel of uh, Jared Stevens, the man called Fate, uh, and his wife. We his ex wife Holly. We have not talked about Holly being weirdly super jacked. By the way, she gets less jacked as the series goes on. Her in her she gets less jacked as the series goes on. But yeah, in her first appearance, she looks like she's in fucking developmental, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but there's a, there's a panel where uh, it's, it's her and, and Fate and Arnold, and she goes, we're fighting a computer? And Fate goes, no, what's in the computer? <laughs> Which is fucking choice. I gotta say, that owned... Like this issue's trying to do like a sort of like haunted house thing, but like a techno haunted house thing, and it's you know it's not an awful idea, but it I ultimately think it doesn't work at all. It's a really good idea, and they don't commit to it or give it any space, and that's really frustrating. Yeah, it just ends with an explosion. There's just an explosion, and it's over. Yeah, like the, the like the idea of it is. Really good. Hey, here's a free one for your uh, Call of Cthulhu campaigns, everybody. Uh, they digitize all the spells and like scan all the pages of all the magic books in this university library. And then because the act of reading them is invoking the spells and casting the spells, the scanning of them counts as reading them. So all the spells manifest inside a computer as like the computer is haunted. That's a fucking good idea, dude. That's a good idea now. And I was genuinely impressed that the guy was like, yeah, I've got six gigabytes of, of all this magic shit. And that's still a pretty impressive amount of like JPEGs. That's true. That's true. I mean, if they're like really, really high res, it's not that many. Well, I mean, I don't know. It would be a lot. This is also the issue where Emma's like, I'm not an angel. I'm just I'm just a homeless lady. And it's like, okay. Yeah. 
But we know Jared Stevens is a good guy. He, she is his save the cat moment, uh, which is actually like it's it's so textbook that it's genuinely funny to me because yeah. uh, he he talks to her and he's like Emma, you're you're that angel that helped us out, and she's like, what are you talking about? I'm not an angel. I'm just a person. And he's like, oh, well, here's twenty bucks. <laughs> And that's folks. That's that's nineteen ninety five twenty bucks. So issue six is Stephen Grant and Lynn Kaminsky saw the Lawnmower Man. Issue seven is the all too familiar nineties story of somebody gets offered a job in the entertainment industry. They get offered a job to become famous. Holly does. Like an agent hires her. But obviously the agent is an evil guy who wants to like steal people's souls. Yeah. She's gotta go out to Lipstick City. That's right. It all takes place in Los Angeles. Uh, so there's like a whole arc where uh Joe Stevens has to go out to Los Angeles. Uh and the agent guy steals Jared Stevens, the man called Fate's knife. And he wants people to sign a contract, essentially like signing over their soul. That's the story. Yeah. And, but he like, he fucking, he's like a random dude, which I guess everybody in a new comic is a random dude, you know, but like, this is just like some guy who shows up, steals the knife, has it for like two issues. And like, pretty much just wails on Jared Stevens, the man called fate for the whole time. And this is where I was like, hang on. It is established in the first issue. Maybe not in number zero, but definitely by the time we get to number one, it is established that like, it's got a Mjolnir thing going on where he can summon it back to his, like he can throw the knife because he's really good at throwing knives. Remember because of that, plot point that's honestly never really followed up on so you're like but he can't he can't do that now and then after two issues of this of him not like just not talking about it he's like yeah uh i can i can call the the knife back to me when the uh, circumstances are right but these circumstances aren't right and that's the only explanation that we get and that ain't gonna win you no prize buddy Steven, uh, that ain't gonna win you a no prize. That, the agent's name is Paul Linfern, by the way. Which yeah. is a hilarious, like, his name is just a word. <laughs> yeah. I believe it is in ta- Italian for infern. Like, they're, they're not trying that hard. <laughs> Even by issue seven of, of Fate. Yeah, the uh, we are a little bit out of gas, even even now. Uh, fate number nine. Uh, Jared Stevens is about Jared Stevens coming back from Hollywood. Holly decides she's going to stay in Hollywood. By the way, yeah. And he has a vision of his plane exploding, so he gets it to land. Like he he stages a hijacking and gets it to land early, and then as he's being arrested, the plane explodes anyway, 
with everybody but him on it. Also, there's a whole like flashback sequence from before he was the man called Fate when he was just an art smuggler. And there's a whole thing where he gets saved by uh what's her name? <laughs> the the uh, cool character. From oh, the first uh, arc. Uh, Charnel. 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 He gets saved by Charnel. Who was I guess living comes. in a crystal skull? Yeah, I guess. Uh, issue 10 is a team up with uh, Zatanna. And like a ton of this issue is people talking about how Zatanna sucks. So this is before Paul Dini got his hands on Zatanna. Uh, it, it's it's Zatanna's in her mid-career reinvention era. Yeah, she's like, what what am I doing wearing this top hat and these fishnets? I need some new clothes. Uh, Which couldn't be any more wrong. This is a a good bit of, uh, I forget uh, what, like where this originates, but uh, Zatanna performing under the name Ms. Katonic. Mm-hmm. Like MS period catonic, which is which is pretty good. I've always liked that bit. It's a pretty good. Pretty like, that good might be an bit. Alan Moore bit. Seems like it would be. Yeah, yeah. And Seems she's like, like "Oh, how did they know I was actually Zatanna from the Justice League?" Here's how you know this series is kind of going bad by this point. Uh, the Firebringers were the villains of that issue, by the way. Jared Stevens is barely on the cover. Hmm. It's Zatanna and Strega Magic Lady. Strega. Strega. I don't know if she is from anything before Fate, but she shows up with all the the DC magic characters. Like uh, a couple of them I had never heard of and just assumed that maybe they were from something else, but they might be original to this. There's uh, there's Strega and then there's uh, oh, what's what's the guy's name with the tarot cards? I don't remember any of them. <laughs> yeah, he, he he doesn't matter. He's not good. Strega first appeared in Fate number five. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and she died in this issue, Fate number ten. I missed that she died. That's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Strega two comes shows up in Shadow Pact. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, weird. That sounds less like uh, there's a Strega two, and more like uh, Bill Willingham was not aware that this character died. There was a. She's a different character. She's a different character. Yeah, if you say so. Um, and that's it. That's it for this bunch of issues. Uh, issue eleven is where Lynn Kaminsky starts solo uh writing the book so we'll get into those once uh once we get into it next month yeah so far it's not the best so chris i think we should rate i think we should rank issues zero through four maybe we should only rank issues zero through four because we could discover that 11 through 22 are close enough to five through ten that we can just lump all those together. 
but I think zero through four are their own thing. Because they're doing a different thing. I would suggest that we should wait to see if there is an appreciable difference in quality that would make separate I, rankings worth doing. I think. Well, we we determined when Patrick submitted Fate as one cohesive story that it was not just one story because the writers change. Yeah, but I mean, are we really going to take up more than one line on the list for Jared Stevens, the man called Fate, Matt? Is, I, that, is that what you want to do? I think, personally, that zero through four, issues zero through four of this comic are clearly distinct from what we've read in issues five through ten. And I better. Let's, let's rank them all at the same time. We can we can rank them separately, but let's rank them all at the same time. All right, so we'll rank them all. We'll rank them all next time, then. Yeah, uh, and we'll talk about issues eleven through twenty-two next time on Comics Catch Up. Uh, if you would like to send us a suggestion for Comics Catch Up, you can email us at our email address, which is warrocketpodcast at gmail dot com. Uh, you can also get in touch with us on Tumblr, warrocketpodcast.tumblr.com. dot com on Twitter at WarRocketPod, or uh, you can join our Discord, which you have to be invited to be a part of. So uh, ask us for a Discord invitation, and we'll get you on uh, as soon as we can. These shows, Comics Catch-Up, Every Story Ever, the regular weekly War Rocket Ajax, as well as Movie Fighters and Snack Situation, all of them are made possible by Patreon support. Go to patreon.com slash warrocketajax to kick in as little as $1 a month to uh, ensure that we keep doing all these shows. If you want to find me and my stuff, you can go to mattdwilson.net to find links to my books, my comics, my other podcasts, and my social media accounts. Chris, where can people find you? If you want to find me, listen to War Rocket Ajax. That's the only thing that I do regularly. Uh, We'll be back with more fate next month, everybody. So stay tuned. Will we, though? We I mean, will. yes, we, we will. will. Unfortunately. We will. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to ride this thing till the wheels fall off. Uh, but until then, everybody, good catching up. Good catching up.